Hey y'all, this is Troy Black. So I have a prophetic message to share with you today. This is a message God gave me about David Diga Hernandez. So David and I are actually friends. I've known David for a little while, and I believe he's an amazing minister from God. So this is not a critique of any kind, and I don't believe God would use me to speak a message like that anyways, but rather I believe God is doing two things here. The first thing is potentially it could be encouraging for David and maybe for his team. I'm not sure. Hopefully it is. The second thing is that I believe God is wanting to speak a message to the hearts of those listening. And it's a message of encouragement toward a specific kind of teaching. And the emphasis I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit right now is he's, he's wanting to speak a message. He's wanting to encourage those listening toward a specific kind of emphasis when it comes to the way the Word of God is being taught today. So I'm just going to read this. I'm submitting this to you as a prophetic word. Please take this to the Lord in prayer before running with it. I would encourage you, anytime you hear a prophetic message from someone online, or even if it's someone that you don't know and trust that's personally giving a message to you from the Lord, make sure you pray about it. Make sure you ask the Holy Spirit to confirm it before you take that as granted, before you apply it to your life. And the other thing that that will do is the Holy Spirit will then have an opportunity to kind of weigh things out for you a little bit and let you know, hey, generally this is encouraging and yes, you should go with that, but maybe this specific part wasn't meant for you. You know, So Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when he came, he would teach us all things. So the Holy Spirit helps us to interpret the scriptures, to interpret the Bible, to understand the way in which God desires us to live as Christians, but he also helps us to be able to confirm or deny whether a prophetic message is actually from God or not. So this is what I heard about David, and I'm only sharing this, y'all, because I've gotten permission from David. This is what I heard the Lord say on January 12th. I heard the Lord say, David is teaching them the how. He said, most ministers know how to teach the word itself, but not many understand the importance of delivering the message that I used the word to preach. So God is making a distinction here between the words on the paper when you read the Bible and then the message that God used the Bible to preach, the message itself. And then I heard the Lord say, when you put the entire thing together and look at it as one cohesive message from God, that's what I'm using people like David to preach. Not just knowledge about my word and the way to live the Christian life, but the how. How do I actually put into practice the things that the word says? See, I believe this is a question that many Christians ask. You know, how do I actually do the things that the Bible tells me to do? And this is what I believe God is addressing today. And I'm going I'm to read some scripture after I finish sharing this word from the Lord that I believe applies. But I heard the Lord say, you can have a lot of head knowledge without understanding and without realizing how to implement it. And the understanding comes from knowing my heart, I heard the Lord say. It comes from knowing my heart for my people, for my body. And then I heard this. I heard, see, I am not an angry God. I am holy and I am just, but I am not angry at my people. I heard the Lord say, I love my people. And I went a long way so that I could demonstrate my love for them. I went a long way so that I can give my people what they truly need. And it breaks my heart to see people preaching the word from the wrong perspective, because it ultimately does not work the way that it was intended to. And I heard this next, my word apart from my spirit lacks the power to truly change people from the inside out. 
My word works, but my spirit is necessary to carry it out, to see it through. And then I heard the Lord say this next. He said, my spirit gives you the how. The word actually talks about this. It says, no prophecy of scripture is open to personal interpretation, but the Holy Spirit is the one that interprets it. What does that mean? It means God had an intention behind the words that he inspired the authors of scripture to write. And if we want to understand what the intention, what the meaning is, and not get mixed up with some of the things people try to use the word to do or to say, and not get confused or not misunderstand what we're reading, we have to be listening to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. You know, we've got to know Jesus personally. And that's one of the things that happens to us as believers. When we get saved, the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I I remember, you know, before uh, being filled with the Spirit, I remember like that trying to read the Bible and, and just getting out of it what I thought God was saying. And I was very certain about what I thought God was saying. And then after that, you know, experience of being filled with the Spirit, I suddenly started reading through the Word again. And I'm like, I thought I understood this. And now I feel like I don't, you know. And then I had to get to this point where I said, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to understand. Help me to live this Christian life. Because without your help, I'm realizing now I can't do it. And I heard the Lord say this next that night about David. He said, some people will place it on you. And then he said, David is one of those rare ones who is handing it to you. The keys you need to operate inside a dark world as a messenger of light, as a kingdom ambassador. And then he said, the keys to the kingdom are here and they are worth taking advantage of. The Lord continued speaking to me that night. And and I just want to read what he shared with me. It's a simple concept. How do you know if the word is working for you? This is what the Lord began to speak to me about. How do you know? And this is the answer I got. Are you free? And do you have the fruit of the spirit in your life? And this is what the Lord showed me, that if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control, if these things are not bearing fruit in your life, they're not not being born into your life. You know, that doesn't mean we're perfect, obviously. Like, Like, there's still a war going on. There's a battle between the Spirit and the flesh, you know, that Paul talks about. But if the fruit is not evident, this is what the Lord showed me, is that either we're believing the wrong message, meaning... We haven't actually truly come to the Lord Jesus yet. We haven't been saved. We haven't understood the gospel or we haven't believed the gospel. The Lord showed me either we're believing the wrong message or we have, but we're not truly believing the right message. So we're not fully putting our faith today in what Jesus did for us on the cross on that day. See, we can come to Christ and we can get free and we can get saved. We can get redeemed. We can get changed in an instant. But it's, there's also a process of sanctification and transformation that happens over a lifetime that can only be walked out by the power of the Holy Spirit walking with us, you know, taking us by the hand and speaking to us and teaching us, as Jesus said. And every single believer gets to an impasse at some point in their walk where God is trying to teach us something out of the Word, and we have a choice to make. We can either go the route that the Holy Spirit is, is saying, saying, yes, this is what this means. This is how you apply that. Or we can go the route that our our mind or our intelligence or our past or our pride or whatever it is is telling us, no, this is the way to do this, right? And we we have to, at that moment, we have to begin to trust the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, help me, help me to understand because on my own, I can't get this, right? I need your help. 
and there's power when we do that. There's, you know, the, the word talks about how God gives a greater grace in the book of James. You know, it, it says he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So if you know Jesus today, if I know Jesus, if we know that we know the Lord, yet we're not walking in the fruit of the spirit or we're not walking in freedom, the freedom that Christ won for us, then we need to go back and we need to examine and say, hey, when did I get away from putting my full faith in the message that the, the, the Bible preaches, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, the entirety of scripture either points forward to Jesus or, or backwards to Jesus, <laughs> like it all points to him and what he's done for us. This is what Paul prays for the believers in Colossae and Laodicea in Colossians chapter two, starting in verse two. He says that he's praying and he says that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself. See, one of Satan's agendas inside the church is to try to get Christians to go past Jesus to find, quote unquote, true knowledge. It's like, yes, that's great. You've got Jesus. You know, the devil can't do anything about that now. If, if, you've, if you're walking in Christ, if, if you, you are following him, if you know him. But what he will try to do is to get you to go past him and say, look, there's more over here. Because if we take our eyes off of Christ and we go past him and we start building on a different foundation, what's going to happen is, all of the work that we do is going to be in vain. It's going to be useless. And, and, and the devil's going to be able to throw us so off track that we're going to get to heaven. And, you know, like the word says, we're going to escape as through flames, as through fire, you know, like we'll be saved. But we never did anything to help build the kingdom of God. And the true knowledge of God's mystery is Christ himself is what this says. And then verse three says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and knowledge. They're all found in him. It's all found in him. Verse four says, I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For even though I am absent in body, I am nevertheless with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your orderly manner and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, think back to the, the moment where you received him. I think we're supposed to be walking a lot closer to the way that we were right then normally than than most of us do. Verse seven says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, see to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. So these things are going to sound good, right? Like like Paul says, I say this so no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. You know, like he, he's saying there's going to be a human tradition. There's going to be uh, principles that the world lives by. There's going to be philosophy. There's going to be deception. There's going to be these things that sound right. They sound good. But when you run them by the Holy Spirit, he's going to say, no, that's not the way that things work. These things are going to sound good. They're going to be persuasive because they don't go 110% against the truth. They just add something to it. And they say there's more. And the purpose is to get your focus off of Jesus and what he has done for us. Verse nine says, for in him, talking about Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over every ruler and authority. It doesn't say 
in our righteous works, we've been made complete. Though Christians should have righteous works following their life. Like we should be walking righteously because that's the fruit of walking in Christ. That's the fruit of being led by the Spirit. You know, walk by the Spirit. You're not going to satisfy the desires of the flesh. If we are actually taking upon us the new nature that Christ gives us, we're going to do things the way that He would do them. But it doesn't say you're made complete, you know, through your righteous works, through your good, the good deeds that you do. It doesn't say you're made complete by a certain number of hours of reading the Bible. It doesn't say you're made complete by observing certain traditions or certain Sabbath days or certain, whatever it may be. It's like it's it's this or, or fasting a certain amount of days a year. Like it says, in Him, you have been made complete. So we start from a place of completion in Christ Jesus. We start from a place of wholeness and freedom. That's good news. That's good news. Because even in those moments where we don't feel free, we can look at the truth and we can say, no, this is the truth. This is what set me free. I'm going to keep coming back to that and I'm going to remain free because of that. This is what verse 13 says. It says, And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our wrongdoings, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. See, some of us, we're, we're still trying, we're still attempting to, to fix the certificate of debt. We're, we're still attempting to pay that back. And the Word of God says you can't. You can never do enough to repay that debt. Jesus has already paid it for you. He's already canceled it for you. And He did that through His own body being nailed to the cross. And then verse 15 says, When He had disarmed the rulers and authorities, He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through Him. So God is, is, is speaking here, you know, and what I heard, obviously it has to do with David, but, but I believe it has more to do with the way in which we view the Word of God and the things that we value when it comes to those who are teaching the Word of God. And what does Paul say in this passage here? You know, essentially what he's saying is what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And he says that directly after telling Peter about the church. He says, the gates of Hades will not overcome the church, right? Will not be able to overcome it. So he's talking about this dominion issue. He's talking about the, the difference between a walking in victory, walking in authority, and, and walking in defeat, right? And, and this is so cool because this passage in, in Colossians 2, Paul is, is giving us the keys to victory, the keys to victory over ourself, <laughs> you know, like our, our natural mind, the, the old nature of the flesh, all the different things that involve ourselves, our pride. He's giving us the keys over sin. He's giving us the keys over the demonic powers at work, over the enemy, and all of, all of the answer is pointing back to Jesus himself. Jesus is the key. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hebrews 9.12 says this in the ESV version. It says about Jesus, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. This is the simple encouragement from the Holy Spirit I, I'm hearing right now to share with you today. I hear the Lord saying, you need to learn to rest in the eternal redemption I've already won for you. It's already been secured. And I just hear from the Father's perspective, He's saying, and it, it's by my Son's blood that was shed at the cross. It's the only way in. It's the only way you gain access to the throne room. It's the only way that you're allowed into the Holy of Holies. It's the work on the cross, y'all. It's not the sacrifices. See, Hebrews mentions 
It says not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. It's talking about the difference between us sacrificing and Christ's sacrifice. If we try to build on our sacrifices, we're never going to build anything of value. How do you build on Christ's sacrifice? How does that work? I'll give you the first step. The first step is saying thank you. The first step is praise. The first step is just being overwhelmed and overcome by how how amazing that message is. And then you take the next step out of that gratitude, (laughs) out of that thanksgiving, and the next and the next. But it starts right there with, with a heart that is just it's so in love with Jesus Christ because of what he's done. So that's all I feel led to share with y'all today. I hope this message has been encouraging. If y'all are not subscribed to David Diga Hernandez's channels, his YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff, there's going to be links to that below this video on YouTube in the description and pinned at the top of the comment section. I love y'all so much. I'll see you next time.